0: Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Tuesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond and glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And how well do you know your mother or your father, your mom and dad? Do you know them well enough so that you have the sense of how they'd respond to different situations that you face in your daily life? But even as well as you know your parents, Did they ever have a response that wasn't quite what you expected? You thought they were almost certainly going to say or do something. You could anticipate their reaction, but then they said something different, and you realized that for as well as you know them, they can still surprise you. Now if you're a regular listener here to The Inner Life, you probably have heard me talk about how my wife, Baylen, and I, we have nine children. And our oldest two are in their 20s. Our youngest, he'll turn two in about a month here. And so we have a very wide range to observe and learn about behavior and interactions between all of our kids. And as each of them get older, they think they have me and their mother figured out and I'm sure to a certain degree, they really do know us about as well as anyone can know somebody. You know, they have that child looking at their parent perspective, but especially the older children. But I have seen repeated behavior from each one of our children. Typically, when they reach somewhere around 8, nine, ten years old, if one of their siblings, especially if it's the next youngest brother or sister, if they've done something obviously wrong and neither myself nor uh, Balin are there in the vicinity, then that older sibling, they'll step in and they'll act in the manner that they think Balin or I would. They try and take on that role of speaking for us. And most of the time, they end up coming off far more severe in the consequences that they think should be handed out to their younger sibling. Sometimes they can be fairly close on how we might respond, but other times they can be way off. Another thing that they'll do is they'll try and help us in the midst of correcting one of their siblings. And a recent example is when Baylen and I, we were talking to our eight-year-old daughter, Eden. And Eden, she has this habit of taking her shoes and socks off and leaving them wherever she happens to be in the house. And we find Eden's socks everywhere, all over the house, sometimes two or three pairs of socks. They'll just be You know, there'll be a pair in the family room, one in the dining room. There'll be one in the home office. And so we were talking with her a few weeks ago. You got to pick up after yourself. You can't just take off your shoes and socks and leave them wherever you happen to be. And while we're speaking to her, Sam, her older brother, he's 11 years old. He chimes in with this smug little comment about how she should pick up after herself, how it's inconsiderate to everyone else. It makes the house a mess. And then immediately our attention turns on to Sam, and we ask him, Sam, are you the mother in this family? Are are you the father in this family? No? Okay. Well, we can handle this. We don't need your help. And and Eden, she probably doesn't really care what you think as her brother or sister. She is listening to her parents. And Sam, he had that kind of deer-in-the-headlights expression because he thought he knew what we wanted to say, and he jumped in where he didn't quite belong. And he didn't know us well enough to understand that by trying to speak for us, by trying to correct his sister's behavior, he would find himself being corrected. And I think this kind of thing can happen in most relationships with people that we know quite well. You know, we, we think we can anticipate their response or we think they, that we have them figured out. But in all actuality, people are complex and we probably never know anyone as well as we might tell ourselves that we do. And this can easily happen in our faith life, too. We can take things that we know about what we believe, especially what we know about God, what we think we have in our mind about God. We've got him all figured out. But just because God has revealed certain things about himself to us, that doesn't mean that we know him fully. And a big part of that problem is that we, we are finite, limited creatures trying to comprehend an eternal, infinite God. So it's a certainty that we won't understand Him completely. But we want to have the best understanding of who God is so that, as we approach Him, we don't have misconceptions that will hinder our ability to love Him and to know Him. And that's what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life. To the best of our ability, trying to understand God, getting God right as much as we can so that we can, by knowing Him better, flourish in our prayer life, have that deep intimacy with God. And joining us today... Uh, First time here on The Inner Life as our spiritual director, making his debut, Monsignor Tom Richter. He's a priest in the Diocese of Bismarck, North Dakota. He's the pastor of Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Monsignor Richter, uh, welcome to the program. Glad to have you here today.
2: Good to be with you, Josh.
0: And so, uh, first time on The Inner Life. uh, Just, Can you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, Have you always lived in North Dakota? Are you a, a native there?
2: Yes, um, right out of Bismarck, uh, grew up on a farm with my uh, mother and father, brothers and sisters, uh, 20 miles outside of Bismarck. Got ordained a priest 25 years ago, celebrated 25 years as a priest on June 13th of this year. Um, and so that was a, a nice milestone. Priesthood has been a beautiful, beautiful life for me. Um, and uh, but 13 I'm sorry, 11 of those 25 years, I was the vocation director for the Diocese of Bismarck.
0: Oh, wonderful. Now, did you always know, being the vocations director, did you know you had a vocation
2: early on? No. <laughs> well, okay, there must be more to that story, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I ended up going to college, uh, got my electrical engineering degree uh, after high school from uh, North Dakota State University. And uh, But uh, throughout those four years, it was a pretty consistent sort of um, gnawing thought of uh, checking out the seminary, consider priesthood. Uh, It caused some uh, fear in my heart uh, around that, Um, and so I wasn't attracted to the priesthood until um, it was actually my third year in the seminary um i was uh first year at the north american college as theology one i spent my first two years of seminary at a small a little seminary in fargo north dakota but then uh, the beginning of theology one made a retreat in uh at a monastery outside of rome in the mountains out there and met christ and um After that uh, day, there's never been a day I didn't want to be a priest. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So when you you talk about knowing God, um, knowing God comes from encountering him, experiencing him, meeting a person. One knows God by meeting a person. Until then, we very often have some idea in our head that is not God, but a God we made up. And so in encountering and meeting him, we come to see that our idea of God was not really God. Um, and that was the case for me.
0: Well, so everybody has to start someplace, right? I mean, we all do have a notion. When when we start coming to terms with you know, the question, is there a God or is there not a God? And if we come to the conclusion, yes, there must be a God— we're, we're going to have at least some vague notion of mm-hmm. this supreme being. What are the steps that help us get from there to a point where we get to know this person?
2: Yeah, I, I suppose the big step is to go from being a pagan to being Christian. Sure. Right, and uh, the basic difference between um, a, a pagan understanding of God and I don't mean that in some derogatory way, uh, but uh, just the the true authentic n- um, reality of a pagan mind around God, the Romans and the Greeks. Um, and the basic the basic difference is uh, for uh, the pagan understanding of God is they understood him as supreme, they understood him as powerful, they understood him as all these things, but uh, what they understood about him is they acted and he responded um and he was good to them
0: well so with that act and he responds oh. i'm sorry father we just lost you just there for a moment uh, oh. so you said they act and he responds
2: yeah that that would be the pagan understanding right right um that uh, but uh, but when it comes to the christian understanding of god God is who God has been revealed in Christ. Um, is Christian philosophers would explain him as as a God who is pure act, who acts, and we respond. And there's nothing we can do that makes God act differently. There's no goodness in God that He isn't already showing me. There's no great gift or great kindness or anything like that that uh god could be doing for me that he's not already doing for me otherwise there would be an unactualized potency in god and therefore he would not be all good he wouldn't be all uh the virtues right right um well and and if
0: god is unchanging then he has right right there 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 would be change that would potentially (laughs) be able to happen and if god can't change then he must be doing all of that at once whatever right now right exactly
2: So if if any of your listeners are wondering, what is God doing? How is God relating to them right now? (laughs) They may lack specificity. We may lack specificity in, in the answer to that, but we can be infallibly certain that God is using all his intelligence, all his power, all his goodness, all his goodwill right now for their greatest good, for our greatest good, every single moment. And so given that reality of God, the true God, the one god the only god then everything i do whether that's the moral life the sacramental life the liturgical life the ascetical life the uh, all those things it is all about it is all about letting this good god act and entering into it so images i think that are helpful josh for uh people who want a friendship with christ and closeness to him is to um To see God as the sun, the analogy that God is the sun, always shining, always giving warmth. And um, we don't make the sun shine. We don't make it warm. We open up the curtains so that we can receive the sun that is shining, the warmth that is being given. This is what the sacramental life is about. Um... And once one starts entering into this and responding to this notion of God, this reality, then one can start meeting him more easily. Otherwise, it's so easy to spend decades of one's life trying to get God to be good, trying to get God to act. Um... And so petitionary intercessory prayer and petition now becomes with a true with a with a pagan notion, I pray for my mom's cancer to get God to to heal her, right as if he's as if he um, right isn't and now I get him to love my God my mom more. <laughs> right? But rather Christian petition, Christian petition, Christian intercession is, God, everything you want to do for us through Mom's Cancer, we want it to be done. Everything you're trying to do for us through Cancer, we beg you to not let us get in the way. Because the last thing we want to do is change your will.
0: That's okay. That's a really hard thing. To pray. I mean, you're talking in a very specific way about how we generally, in the Our Father, say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But you're talking about, if your will is to take my mom with this cancer, I don't want to get in the way of your will. Most of the time, I want to get in the way of God's will. I don't want you to take my mom before... I, right. I, I'm ready to say goodbye here. So
2: Yeah, that's because part of your heart is pagan and still, still believes. I don't still know if pagan. I've ever had
0: anybody say that to me before, but okay.
2: <laughs> I say it with great love, of course. Thank uh, you. And Because, right, well, what is that? What is the fall? That my, this, this thing that my will is better than God's will. Mm, sure. That I actually love my mom more than God does and that's why i pray to get god to love my mom as much as i do or to love me as much as i do it's all pagan that somehow my will is better than god's will that somehow somehow i love my loved ones more than god does and so i pray to get him to love them as much as i do which is so so ridiculous right because we don't believe in the true god and so be, we don't believe in the true god we pay as pray as pagans trying to get god to actualize something in god that isn't actualized yet hmm. namely greater love greater goodness and so many of our uh, spiritual exercises are really not even christian because we're not praying to the true god we're praying to a god that has potential he could be more loving he could be more forgiving he could be more kind. He could be more healing. And somehow by me going to mass or praying or praying the rosary or doing a litany or doing a novena or fasting, somehow actualizes this in him. And it's all nonsense.
0: I I remember hearing a quote one time from St. Therese, (laughs) and she made some comment about, and I'm going to get the quote not quite right, but it's basically along the lines of, I want to be Wherever Jesus is, and I want to want what he wants so much that when I go to him in prayer, whatever I ask for, he's already going to give me because mm-hmm. I want what he wants. It's something along the I, I know I'm not saying it exactly <laughs> right. right, but it's something along those lines.
2: That's that's right. So she is saying she is saying when we get close to God, when we when we come when we become like Jesus, the desires we have around God are from him, and thus he acts and we respond. If in fact my prayer is inspired by the Holy Spirit and not just by my self-willed ego, then what's inspiring my prayer and what I'm desiring in prayer is from the inspiration of grace. And this inspiration of grace is always about nothing better could ever happen to me than God's will in any moment. And therefore, every prayer that's Christian, every prayer that's inspired by the Holy Spirit has as its end, always, please, whatever you are laboring to do for us right now, let it be done in us on earth as it is in heaven. And so every prayer that's Christian actually started in the heart of God inspired a desire in my heart, I consent to that desire, and in consenting to it, I now receive what God is already trying to give. And so this isn't about getting God to act to my will, but this is about God getting us to receive the good he's already willing, which is all he can do. God is a giver, God is a lover. He is always giving himself. For my greatest good. Always. Whether I'm Hitler or Mother Teresa, God is love, always giving Himself for my greatest good. Right. So yeah. the difference between Mother Teresa and, and Hitler isn't uh God's posture to them.
0: It's their response.
2: It's their it's their receptivity, their response. If we let God do what he does, we become saints. If we don't, we become demons. It's that simple. Mm.
0: Our spiritual director today on The Inner Life, Monsignor Tom Richter, a priest in the Diocese of Bismarck, and we're talking about getting God right, understanding who God is. And by understanding God, to the best of our ability, through what he's revealed, that allows us then to elevate our prayer, our encounter with him. Have you had that encounter? What's helped you to have that better understanding of who God is? Have you had those misconceptions in the past that have hindered your ability to grow in relationship with him. And maybe you're struggling with trying to understand God right now. And you're welcome to call into the program, our studio line, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 You can email us at, at relevantradio.com And we'll be back with more and continue our conversation with Monsignor Richter in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director for this hour, Monsignor Tom Richter, a priest in the Diocese of Bismarck, pastor of Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, before we continue our conversation, want to encourage you uh, to join us starting November 2nd. We're going to pray a novena for any of our our departed loved ones. And we're going to pray three different times during the day, during Mass that you can hear at noon Central, during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy with Drew Mariani at 3 o'clock Central in the afternoon, and then in the evening at 7 o'clock Central with Father Rocky and the Family Rosary Across America. And if you would like names of any of your departed loved ones to be included, you can go to RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, you'll see a banner, and you can click on that, and you can submit as as many names as you want. There's no limit, as many names as you want. And then I hope you join us as we do pray together starting November 2nd for those nine days through November 10th. And again, that's Mass at noon, Chaplet of Divine Mercy at three o'clock, and the Family Rosary across America at 7 p.m. Central. And uh, you can again submit those names at relevantradio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. And today, uh, talking about getting a better understanding of who God is, getting rid of those false ideas, those false notions, those misconceptions we might have about God, and helping us then, by having that right understanding of God, how we can grow in relationship, how our prayer life can grow deeper, and how we can be more fully united with God. And we're also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Monsignor, we've got Becky who's calling in, and she's asking the exact same question that I was going to ask you, so I'm going to (laughs) just bring Becky into the program here. Hi, Becky. Uh, Welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here.
3: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Monsignor.
2: Hi, Becky. Not not, not um, too hard of a question. This is the first one.
3: Okay, it's not too hard. <laughs> um, it's actually really simple. Um, if God already has a plan, as you stated, um, yeah. and I believe that, and if I only want God's will to be done, which I do, mm-hmm. um, then what is the purpose of intercessory prayer? And why don't I just pray every day in every situation for God's will to be done?
2: <laughs> nice, nice. Thank you, Becky. Um, And that wouldn't necessarily be such a a bad thing, right? I think that's the heart of Jesus. But uh, particulars, St. Augustine would respond this way, what is the whole issue of asking God? What is the whole issue of bringing that about? St. Augustine says, all of that is is about expanding to receive what God is already doing that uh, we are not getting God to act. If we're getting God to act, then there is some, there's something in him that makes him less. So what is the purpose of intercessory prayer? What is the purpose? I'll, I'll give a explanation and then I'll give an analogy. The purpose of intercessory prayer is not to change God's will. The last thing we wanna do is change God's will. The only way we could change should change god's will is if his will is somehow less than perfect somehow less than good somehow less than the best so in changing god's will if we change god's will whatever if we change it to it's going to be less than than what it is so intercessory prayer petition so intercessory is for someone else petition is for my own needs none of that has to do with getting god to act none of that has to do with changing god's will none of that has to do with getting God to adapt my will as his, but rather I'm holding whatever need I'm holding up before God so that whatever he's trying to do through that and wanting to do for us in that can be done. Prayer is about creating a space for God to act. Um, And so right out here in North Dakota, I grew up on a farm, we prayed for rain we prayed for rain now uh in praying for rain if it was done from a christian heart it was lord here is our need for rain we hold it before you and whatever you want to do in this need for us may it be done which may be increasing our faith increasing our hope surrendering our will becoming more uh more um, entering into his providence who takes care of us even without the great created good of right. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense.
2: Okay, so, so, so the point is when we pray for created goods, it's it's not for God to do what we want. It's because I am fascinated with his will. I'm fascinated with his love. His love is his will. His presence is his will. So when I have a need, um, I'm, uh, I'm an addict and I hold that before God. God, whatever you're wanting while you're allowing this addiction, whatever you're wanting for it, through it, please let it be. Don't let us block anything from you, from all the good you want to do through this cross. This is how the Christian heart prays. now let me give you an analogy um this is the same thing you dear mothers do with your kids right um when uh, they're in their high chair and you're feeding them their baby food and when a mother feeds a child baby food it's uh you know blended carrots or blended peas or whatever and so even though the child's young he's smart enough to know that something that looks so yucky can't taste that good. And so they often say, no, I don't want it. And so now you have the mother standing in the position of God. She already wills to give good to her child, already wants to give good to the child, but the child doesn't want to receive the good mom wants to give. And so what does she do? You moms do the airplane trick, your mom, you moms do the choo-choo train. You even will taste it sometimes, say, mm, even when it's not a small little lie to your child, a lot of love. And then eventually the child says, give me. But in asking for the food, the child didn't get the mom to give. The mom got the child to actually want what she's giving. Did that make sense, Becky?
3: Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, So when we're praying for um, our friend to be cured of cancer or for a family member to be, um, you know, reunited, we should be praying more for the patience and the perseverance so that we can accept God's will?
2: Yeah, right. Is, is it wrong for me to want mom, uh, my mother's cancer to be cured? Not a bit, but it is wrong if that's what I want most. So imagine the Blessed Mother standing on Good Friday. God, stop this, stop this, do my will. You and I aren't saved. His will, lo- which looked so terrible, was actually saving the entire world. It was our greatest good. And if he, if she, if, if God does that will of a mom saying, please don't let this death happen, then uh, we're all lost. And so Mary is standing at the cross uh, in her great suffering, um, saying uh, this doesn't make sense. I suppose. Um, but please don't let my heart get in the way from what you're wanting to do, what you're doing right now in this moment. So it's not a heartless a thing, right? Pain. It's not a heartless thing. This is coming from a deep conviction that God, you are so beautiful, God. You are so powerful, God. You are so loving. You are so good. Um, And so whatever you're pouring out here, let it be done. And if that means healing, may you be praised. And if it doesn't mean healing, you're actually wanting to do something greater than healing. May you be praised even more.
0: Hmm. Becky, thanks so much for calling. Really good questions. I'm glad you uh, were on the program and and called us today. Uh, Monsignor Richter, I'm going to just challenge you on one thing here, and it's not because I disagree with you. It's more just to play a little devil's advocate. And you made the comment in your response to Becky, God's will cannot change, right? And yes, I I agree with you. There are certain points, though, where we look in Scripture— And it might appear to us that God's will
2: can be changed. Very good. Uh, Very good.
0: An example might be Sodom and Gomorrah, (laughs) right? I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Perfect. And Abraham, bringing this up. Yeah, he, he comes and he says, What if there are. Some righteous people down there, let's say 50. And he keeps on whittling it down until he gets to 10. And then God says, no, for the sake of 10 righteous people, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So it seems like there's this interaction where Abraham is able to persuade to change God's mind in this. That's right. What's really happening there?
2: Very good. What's really happening? Huh, so everything is an analogy when we come uh to before God when he reveals himself it's always analogous but what's really happening well we can we can say we can say this we can say we know what's not happening and if we don't know God here's how we hear here's what we hear in that story if we don't know God, we hear Abraham having a great merciful heart toward the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God not having a merciful heart. And this merciful, loving Abraham is actually getting God to be as merciful as he is. This is utter heresy. It's offensive to God. It's utter paganism. It has nothing to do with Christianity, and it offends God, and it should. But if we don't know God, this is what we hear. We hear this great love in the heart of Abraham for these poor people. And now he stands uh, between them and God, and he gets God to actually love them and care for them as much as he does, which is utter nonsense. Rather, if one knows God and knows Jesus, and has met him, and knows the real God, and has a friendship with the real God, that person knows, that God says, Abraham, you don't have a clue what mercy's like because I don't need five people to save sinners. All I need is one and that one is gonna be me. I'm gonna send myself down and I'm gonna become that one righteous man and I'm gonna die for all those sinners when I find none, I'm the merciful one, not you. Please, don't you dare try to get me to do your will, because if you do, it's gonna be less merciful. This is how one who knows God understands that story. And uh, and if, if if we don't know God, we pray that way our whole lives. As pagans trying to get God to love our kids as much as we do to protect them as much as we'd like to protect them and it's uh, it's all praying to a God that exists only in one place and that's my head right because it's an idea I made up it's not the real God
0: Our spiritual director today, Monsignor Tom Richter, and we're talking about having a better understanding of God. What has helped you to let go of maybe some of those false misconceptions that you've had of who God is? What has helped you to to get to know God better? and maybe you're struggling with trying to understand God right now, and you'd like some advice, some encouragement in your spiritual journey, our phone line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, email address, relevantradio.com. And we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment, and take more of your phone calls coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now 1 888 914 9149. That's 1 888 914 9149. Or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Monsignor Tom Richter, a priest in the Diocese of Bismarck, North Dakota, today talking about understanding God, getting rid of those misconceptions, those false ideas, those false notions of what we think God is, but really trying to understand how he has revealed himself to us. And our studio line, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 And uh, Monsignor, as you were giving your explanation and talking about the response that we see from God given to Abraham in that encounter where they're talking about the destruction, the, the possible destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that God is fully merciful, and we, we, if we understand him, we walk away with a better knowledge of what really is happening in that conversation. Another phrase that is thrown out very regularly, and it's true, God is love, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that St. John the Apostle, he tells us just flat out, God is love. And I I think maybe it's important to talk about this too, because I think there's this idea that people can latch on to when they hear a statement like that, God is love, and they can adopt this superficial idea of what they want God to be in their mind. And they say to themselves, well, if God is love— then he's going to love me. He, he's, his, his, he can't do anything other than love me and accept me exactly as I am. Now, that part might be true, but then they can say, regardless of what I do, how I behave, how I act, and then this mindset becomes a justification for any sinful actions, can you help clarify for us what we really should understand when we talk about God being merciful, God being love? And you you talked about it early on. It's really more about our response and our receptivity to God's will. So if God is love, what does that mean in our response?
2: Very good. Well, uh, first of all, um, God is love. Uh, And that's not just fluff. That is a serious, serious uh, dogmatic truth. Um, What does that mean? That means God is using all of his power. He can blow out the sun with one breath. He can suck up the oceans with one sip. He is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He could let the entire universe turn into nothing right now. He could let me turn into nothing right now. God is all-powerful. Um... And he, he knows everything. He knows me into being. He knows me so well, his mind made me. He knows the entire universe in, su- in such a way that he's holding in an existence. And he's using all of that intelligence, knowing me deep, deep, deeply within me. Um, and he's using all that for my good. He's using all of this power and all of this knowledge and if he loves me he's using all of that for my good therefore if i do believe god is love then i'm utterly fascinated with him getting his way in my life if i believe god is love then the last thing i would ever want to do is something that would be opposed to him And so God is love is not some, if one understands it and truly believes it, it makes one more, more devoted to him getting his way, more devoted to his will, more devoted to surrendering one's life to him. Because he's love. And I'm not. (laughs) I don't always want what's good for me. I don't always uh, care for myself. I don't always know what's good for me, but he does. Therefore, one who takes seriously God is love is the first one to lay down before him in worship, to lay down and surrender, to abandon himself. Otherwise, I don't believe God is love. Right. Second, and, and so it comes down to, right, what is love? love is willing the good for the other love is wanting what is good for the other so that's the first thing second Mm -hmm. god does accept me as i am and whether i become adolf hitler or mother teresa god loves me the same my love my evil cannot change his love otherwise human evil can conquer the love of god
0: Uh, you know as you're saying that i'm thinking you you mentioned Hitler versus Mother Teresa. I'm also thinking of Judas Iscariot.
2: Mm -hmm. Very good. So, so, um, he does love me as I am. However, right, if if in fact, if in fact I love God, and if in fact I have faith in God, and I trust him, then what I do, right, then, then what happens is I let God love me, and the result of God loving me is I become what I'm receiving. I become like God. God is trying to change us into himself to be like him, union with him. Um, and, and so he loves me as I am. He accepts me as I am, and because he loves me as I am, if I do let him love me, that love changes me um, f- for my good, <laughs> for my good. And so f- God is always giving himself to me so I can enter into his joy so I can enter into union with him, which is joy. The joy that's in God is what God is after. He's trying to get draw me into the joy that's in his heart. Um, and so the more I accept he, God is love, and the more I accept that he loves me as I am, the more I want him to get his way. And the more he gets his way, the more his love changes me into who he is, self-giving love. And therefore, therefore, if I enter into the mystery of God, it will always turn me into self-giving love. Hmm.
0: Okay, so, Monsignor, we're, we're down to, oh, about eight <laughs> minutes left here in the program. And we've been talking about... Uh, and even for me, it's, it's helping me to have a better understanding of God. I mean, this is, I, I think this has been just a wonderful insight into the nature because I think it's so easy for all of us to have that notion that, well, yeah, I think this is what God is like. Well, I fall short. And, and I know I'll always fall short you know, <clears throat> in, in my understanding. Knowing this, having this better understanding of God, Knowing where do go How do I take the next steps then? Very what, good. How this, do this I little... respond? How how do I move good. forward with that receptivity that you're Perfect. talking about?
2: thank you. Thank you. So this, this is where all the gold is. The intersection where the self-giving, the God who is love, who is always giving himself to me. That's what God is. God is love. He's always giving himself to me every single moment. He's my greatest good. So, this God who is always giving himself to me, where do I and he meet? We meet at the intersection of human need. Where is God giving himself to me? In my need. Where do I receive the God who's giving himself to me? In my need. But where I lack faith, I hate my need. I don't want my poverty, I don't want de- in de- uh, dependence, I want independence. Can,
0: can we go back to that statement really quick? When I lack faith, I hate my need. Can you just yeah. elaborate on that for a moment? I think that's well,
2: important. F- right, faith, faith is what receives from God. Only faith prays, only faith receives. And faith is truth. Faith says God is a cr- the creator and I'm a creature. I'm dependent. And so because I know God is my, my beautiful providing father who takes care of me, who's always giving himself to me, who's always taking care of me, I now come to love my need because that's where God comes to me. That's why, where I encounter him. That's where I come to know the good God, the real God, the true God. But to the degree I'm all wrapped around my will, and I want God to do my will, the threat to my will is my need. The threat to my need is I can't. The threat to my need is my dependence. I mean, the threat to me. And so I spend my life trying to get God to get rid of everything that makes me dependent on him trying to get God to get rid of everything that makes me need him, as opposed to enter into his, his uh, providential love. And so for all your listeners, how does one grow into encountering the true God, the real God? It's It's this simple, what is the I can't in your life? Right there, stop telling God what to do, and starts saying, right here is where you come and you are the God of my life. Right here is where the gospel happens. Where does this God give himself? At the cross. Where do we receive love from God? At the cross. God is pouring himself out at the cross. My I can't. So do you have resentment you can't get over? I can't. I can't change this. Beautiful. That's the place if you're willing to let God be God. Huh? You have an addiction you can't get free from. Okay. Do you have faith that God is all powerful, all good, all loving, and he's giving himself to you there? And you don't have to get him to be good to you there. You have to get yourself to receive him there. This is th- the key, I can't, and to stop hating my I can't, to stop disliking one's dependence, to stop disliking one's littleness, to stop liking disliking one's poverty. It's Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give, I will give, I will give, I will give, I will give myself to you there if I want God more than I want him to do what I want so all the money is at the cross and the cross the cross dear listeners is anything you'd like to change but can't anything you'd like to control but can't anything you'd like to make happen but can't right there is where the good God reveals himself and you don't have to get him to be good. He has to get you to trust him, hmm. to surrender, to invite him, to give him permission to do whatever he wants. And that
0: all goes back to our free will. God won't force himself upon us.
2: That's right. He attracts us. Right. And what he's, and what he's trying to attract us to is the truth that he is love. And the substantial, the substantial robust understanding of that. God is always giving himself. That's what love means. God is love. It's not just something he does. It's who he is. He is self-giving. What is God doing to Josh Raymond right now? He's giving himself there. Where is he giving himself to Josh Raymond? Where Josh Raymond is in need and there's something he can't do. And God wants to, some good God wants to do for him. Mm. Uh,
0: Father, we're down to just our last minute here. And um, first of all, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, glad to have you here uh, on your first time on The Inner Life. And if uh, somebody is looking uh, really quick, maybe in just 30 seconds, could you uh, give maybe a resource or a book, maybe a saint they could read a little bit more to 100%. learn more on this?
2: book just came out. I'm rec- recommending it to everyone.
0: Uh, it looks like we might have lost you, Monsignor. Can you still hear me? All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us here on The Inner Life, and uh, unfortunately it looks like we just lost Monsignor Tom Richter there. Um, His connection just dropped with us, so I apologize for that. But I want to thank you for listening to the program today and for joining us here on The Inner Life, and hopefully it's been beneficial for you. And so as we close out this hour, I want to encourage you to stay tuned for Mass that's coming up next here. Of course, it's followed by The Faith Explained with Kale Clark, and I hope you'll join us tomorrow. Father Richard Simon, host of Father Simon, says he's going to come by and we're going to talk about the reality of evil in our world. We're coming up on Halloween, so how can we have the proper understanding of evil and how it impacts us and the spiritual realities that surround us? That'll be tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Thanks so much for listening and have a blessed afternoon.